Hey friends, thanks for joining us for The Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm, a weekly podcast that brings biblical teaching to everyday people in ways we can understand and then put into practice. I'm Gwen DeSelm, your host for these moments together. Our teacher is Dave DeSelm. Dave spent over 40 years in pastoral ministry, planting, growing, and leading a church. Currently, he is the executive director of Dave DeSalm Ministries, offering resources for everyday pastors and the people they lead, such as a weekly blog, devotionals, coaching, speaking, and more. You can find out more about us at davedeselmministries.org. As we wrap up the series, Decision Making 101, we come to a question that carries more weight than any other decision we must make. Indeed, it's a matter of life or death. Let's join Dave now for the ultimate question. So let's get our Bibles out, shall we, and open them up to the sticky section. The book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30, is where we're going to drop anchor. It's the first of two places we're going to drop anchor this morning. Deuteronomy 30. Ever since I was a boy, I've been a fan of Dr. Seuss. Any Dr. Seuss fans here? Love Dr. Seuss. Uh, fact of the matter is, I can't rhyme anything, so when I find someone who's as brilliant as Dr. Seuss, I just am in awe of his rhymes. The neat thing about Dr. Seuss is, I don't know where he stood religiously or spiritually, but many times, he not only has some amazing rhymes, but some remarkable truths. If you ever take a look at some of his writings, it's almost as if he was the actual student of the Bible. For example, how many of you are familiar with the Dr. Seuss book, Horton Hears a Who? One of the finest pro-life books I've ever read is Horton Hears a Who? Because this elephant, Horton, understands that the unborn really are there. And when they are threatened, he does everything to fit them. I thought, what a great pro-life book. How about Yertle the Turtle? Anybody familiar with Yertle the Turtle? One of the best things on leadership and how pride goes before a fall. Yertle the Turtle. Another one of his lesser-known works is on decision-making. It's called The Zode. Let me read you because it's very brief. Did I ever tell you about the young Zode who came to two signs at a fork in the road? One said place one and the other place two when the Zode had to make up his mind what to do. So the Zode scratched his head, his chin, and his pants, and he said to himself, now I'll be taking a chance. If I go to place one, the place may be hot, so how do I know if I like it or not? On the other hand, though, I'll feel such a fool if I go to place two and I find it too cool. In that case, I could catch a chill and turn blue, so place one may be best and not place two. On the other hand, though, if place one is too high, I could get a terrible earache and die. On the other hand, though, it may happen, you see, if I go to place two and it's too low for me, I could get a terrible pain in my toe, so place one may be best. And he started to go when he stopped, and he said, on the other hand, though, on the other hand, other hand, other hand, though, for 36 hours and a half, that zode made starts and stops at that fork in the road, saying, no, don't take a chance, you may not be right. Then he got an idea that was wonderfully bright, play safe cried the Zode. I'll play safe. I'm no dunce. I'll simply start off for both places at once. And that's how the Zode, who would not take a chance, got to no place at all with a split in his pants. <laughs> and we laugh, but the truth behind the story of the Zode is there come times in your life when you have to make a choice. You come to a fork in the road, and you have to choose. Indeed, to not choose 
is to choose. Decisions. Our lives are filled with decisions. And on the basis of that, since some decisions are high level with huge implications, we have been studying for a series of weeks, how do you make smart ones? How do you decide wisely? But our core text for this has been a New Testament text. So let's look at it one more time by way of the side screens, lifting our eyes and our voices. Let's read it out loud and together one more time. Together, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Three verses. Three verses on wisdom out of which we distilled three words that could be used as a filter for your decisions. A three-word filter that could really handle the whole spectrum of life, whether it relates to your use of time, how you spend your money, or how you handle your relationships. We said over these past weeks, if you ask yourself a three-word question, you might not only save yourself a lot of heartache, but you might just find yourself taking the right fork in the road. And the three words that we've been asking over these weeks, what are they? Is it wise? Is it wise? Not is it legal? Not is it doable? Not can I do this, but should I do this? Is it wise? And what's striking to me is over these five weeks, this has kind of become part of our vocabulary here around the church. Perhaps you've seen it in your family as well. I've got children who challenge their dads now. Dad, is that wise? I've got parents who are using it with their kids. Is, do you think that's wise? From young to old, from new believer to more maturing disciple, we're finding them guiding, using that question to guide them. In fact, just this past week, one of our elders wrote me a note by way of email, and he said that that filter caused him to change a decision he had just made regarding both his schedule and his finances. Here's what he wrote, quote, Dave, In light of my past experiences, my present situation, and my future hopes and dreams, this was not a wise thing to do. And I thought, wow, when an elder gets it, now we're getting somewhere. Just kidding, guys, just kidding, just kidding. But we're learning, aren't we? We're learning that God has truth for us in his word far more than we might have thought. Is it wise? Is it wise? Well, this morning we're in Deuteronomy. You finally find it? In chapter 30. Moses is not only the primary character, he's the author. He wrote the first five books of the Bible, but he starred in them as well. And in Deuteronomy chapter 30, we find the story of Moses at the end of his life. Moses, the one who had delivered the children of Israel by God's power when they were slaves in Egypt. Moses, the one who had taken them through the parted Red Sea. Moses, the one who'd gone up on Mount Sinai and brought down the Ten Commandments. Moses, The one who'd shown them God's power through the years, who'd watched them rebel yet brought them back, and who helped them through the wilderness wanderings, Moses. For more than 40 years, Moses has led his people, and now it's the end of his life. God has already told him, you will not be going into the promised land. Moses' compromise had preempted his own entrance, and that's a whole other story of how Moses himself would not go. And here in chapters 30 to 33, we have the last words of this great man to the people he loved. That'd be worthy to read about just because they're his last words. Before I show you the words in verse 30, look at his words in verse th- chapter 31. 
chapter 31, verses 1 to 3. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old. I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you, and he will destroy those nations before you, and you will take possession of their land, but Joshua will cross over ahead of you. Joshua was his heir apparent. I'll no longer be leading you. Another will. And his name is Joshua. But before he left them, he gave them these words in these last chapters. And I'd like to suggest that they can best be summarized in this morning's text. Chapter 30, verses 11 and following. Take a look. Moses writes, Now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's not up in heaven so that you have to ask, who will ascend to heaven to get it and proclaim it so that we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea, so that you have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we can obey it? No, the word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. Rough paraphrase. What I'm about to say to you isn't hard to understand. You don't need somebody super spiritual to explain this to you. You don't have to be highly intelligent to get this. What I'm about to say to you, you can understand. And because you can understand it, you will be responsible for what you're about to hear. Continuing on. Verse 15. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction, For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you to this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. And verse 19 is the key verse in the whole text, which if you've never underlined before, you may want to. This day, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live, and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Again, to paraphrase, we've walked together all these years. You have seen the reality of God. I understand full well that it has not always been easy. I know that with you there's been the good, the bad, and the ugly. I know that you probably still have questions, but you have seen enough to know that there is one who you can trust. Nonetheless, you have the terrible, wonderful decision to make right now. You are at a fork in the road. Choose. 
choose who you will bow your knee to. If you choose the true God, life and blessings are yours. If you don't, the alternative is just as real. You choose. You choose. You're listening to The Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. Dave will be back in just a moment with the rest of his message. If you're enjoying this podcast and you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Then help others find us by leaving a review, giving us a five-star rating, and sharing this podcast with your friends and family. If you'd like to support us in this ministry, go to davedesellministries.org and click on the Donate button. One of the resources Dave DeSalm Ministries offers to everyday pastors as they seek to equip everyday people to become everyday disciples is coaching. After 40-plus years in the ministry, Dave has a depth of experience and wisdom to bring to the coaching relationship. Pastors and ministry leaders can take advantage of personal coaching or participate in a coaching group. These small groups provide not only a mentor to guide you, but a bond of relationship with other leaders. Here's what one pastor had to say about his coaching experience. Dave's coaching group has provided a safe place to not only share the struggles of ministry this year, but also to receive priceless wisdom and encouragement. My ability to remain faithful and strong has been greatly enhanced by Dave's kind, gentle leadership and the culture of brotherhood created in our group. If you'd like to learn more about coaching, go to davedeselmministries.org or email us at info at davedeselmministries.org. Now let's rejoin Dave as he asks the ultimate question. Moses was very clear that this choice carried huge implications. It would be a matter of life and death for them. So going back to our filter from Ephesians, what would the wise thing to do be? You were about to enter into the land Do you want to go with God or not? And see, here's the point of parallel. You, like them, are entering your tomorrows. You will. And your tomorrows will be difficult at times and confusing at times and hard. And you have to decide. Is the who that you've come to know bigger than the whys you still have? Is the who that you've been hearing about bigger than the whys you still have. You choose. Life with God, in the midst of your questions. Or life without God, in the midst of your questions. That's the question that was asked of them. And that's the question that is asked of you. Verse 19, one more time. This day, this day, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life. I understand full well that many of you are early on your spiritual pilgrimage. I know that. You have not yet seen enough to make a decision, but others of you, I believe, have seen enough. You've seen enough. You've heard enough. And even now there is something resonating within you that says, This is true. There's something about this that is true. I still have questions. I still have struggles. I don't have all the I's dotted and all the T's crossed, but 
I think this is true. It's true. The Apostle Paul put it this way in the New Testament. Now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. I wish I could tell you that all those people chose well. That all those people chose wisely. They didn't. Chapter 31, take a look. Chapter 31, beginning in verse 14. The Lord said to Moses, now the day of your death is near. Call Joshua and present yourself at the tent of meeting where I will commission him. So Moses and Joshua came and presented themselves at the tent of meeting. Then the Lord appeared at, a tent, at the tent in a pillar of cloud, and the cloud stood over the entrance to the tent. And the Lord said to Moses, you are going to rest with your fathers. Watch this now. And these people will prostitute themselves to the foreign gods in the land they are entering. They will forsake me and break the covenant I made with them. On that day, I will become angry with them and forsake them. I will hide my face from them, and they will be destroyed. Many disasters and difficulties will come upon them, and on that day they will ask, have not these disasters come upon us because our God is not with us? That blows me away. After all they'd seen, after all they'd experienced, after the truth they'd heard and the transformations they'd seen, after it all, they said, not going to do it. Not going to do it. And God loved them enough to let them make that choice. And friends, the first part of an invitation that I want to give you today is very clear. There are some of you who can readily identify with this generation. This was a little older generation. They'd seen much. They'd experienced the good, the bad, and the ugly. And there's some of you that would say, I know what that's like. But in the midst of it all, you've also seen as they have the reality of one who is bigger than anything you faced. Will you choose? Some of you are perhaps thinking this, it's too late for me. You talk about ugly, I've got ugly. It's too late for me, I wish to could cycle this thing back a few years, it must be too late for me. If you are concluding that, you have not read the story of these men and women, because no one was more fickle than this group. No people more insulted God, defied God, shook their fist in his face than this people, and yet the grace offered them was outrageous. It is never too late to choose right. Never. Choose, he said to them. Choose. Before I give you a chance to respond, I want to speak to a different group. Now go to the next book. The book of Joshua, his successor, in chapter 24, ends remarkably much the same way. Joshua 24, it is now fast-forwarded multiple decades. The kids of these who Moses talked to have indeed now entered the land, and they are now at a similar fork in the road. Joshua calls the kids, older kids now, if you will, to him. 
And he gives them, first of all, a history lesson, beginning in verse 11 of chapter 24. He says, You crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Gergesites, Hivites, Jebusites, and Mosquitoites. <laughs> yes, yeah, seeing if you're listening. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil, and cities you did not build. And you live in them, and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Now watch this. Now, kids, he says, fear the Lord. And serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Once more, it's decision time. Once more, Joshua says, you've seen a lot and you've seen enough. You may be a bit younger, but you've seen enough. You choose now for yourselves. Notice the phrase for yourselves. Listen. Nobody else can choose for you. Your parents can't choose for you, kids. I'll give you a little bit of theology. God has no grandchildren. He only has children. No one is grandfathered into the family of God because of the faith of their parents. And whether your parents had much faith or whether your parents have no faith, it is now your call. Your call. Choose for yourselves whom you will follow. Choose. Choose to consider what you've seen. Choose to consider the truth you've heard and the transformation you've observed. Choose to admit that you're no different from me or anyone else in this room. You are one who's gone your own way and done your own thing, and rightly, God would say, I will deal with that. Choose to believe that there was one whom God sacrificed because he could not stand the thought of eternity without you and gave his one and only son to die in your place to take your penalty, to pay your price, to experience your hell, and choose to commit yourself to him. I did not say choose to pray a quickie prayer and get some cheap fire insurance. Verse 14, fear the Lord. Serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away your gods. It's called repentance. That means I am turning away from not only that which I used to believe, but how I used to behave. 
I'm turning away. And I'm turning to the Lord God. You will never do anything more wise than that. Thank you so much for joining us for The Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. If you'd like more information on how you can begin a relationship with Christ, or you just want to let Pastor Dave know how much this message has blessed you, send him an email at dave at davedeselmministries.org. Then join us next time as we look to God's Word for help and hope as we follow Jesus every day.